Boom, put boom, boom, side, B side, what side are you on? Hey, Adam, what's going on? Welcome back. It's uh, another episode. We took off a week for Thanksgiving. How was we your- did? It, it was great. It was great. Uh, I have to do the hello thing because of because I don't think we've actually started the podcast until one of us does that. That's true. Uh, That's true. Have, have you seen the 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 Instagram reel versus TikTok short? Because I see TikToks on Instagram because they just people just port them over from TikTok to Instagram yes. reels. But it's yes. this dog at a zoo, and all it, like they're in the the they're kind of walking around outside, and there's a wolf enclosure, and all the wolves are like howling, and then the dog is listening for a little bit, and then he like kind of does his best howl, but no. like the wolves are like how. Is like full on how he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's adorable. You can tell he's like, I want to be part of this, but I was my first time. Please don't judge me. Uh, yes, I got to go to the Pacific Northwest for the first time in my life. I got to uh, cross another state off of my visit all of the U.S. states. Uh, my new goal is that the next time, hopefully this summer. Uh, I will take a train out there uh, and cross off the rest of the Pacific Northwest or you know, the, the Montana and Idaho is basically what I would get. Uh, but Spokane was absolutely gorgeous. I had never been there before. We were, my brother and sister-in-law live in like North Spokane and they were not that far from a river that we could walk to. And I, I made a mistake in that I am a very much a city dweller. Mm-hmm. I like to walk outside, but mm-hmm. I like to walk upon sidewalks. Okay. Because they're very, you know, for me, a treacherous walk is a sidewalk that is slightly uneven because roots have grown underneath it. Uh, my brother and sister in law, uh, one of my sister in law's sisters was there with her husband, and they are very outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many people staying at the house that they decided to camp in the back of their pickup in the garage. No. Yeah. Like, no. They were like yeah. And but they have like heated blankets in the garage, but they go camping all the time in the winter. It was like 25, 30 degrees max. And they were talking about like, they had to like pull off layers because the, the heated blankets and stuff in the back of the pickup truck were, were too intense. So these are like outdoorsy, hardy people. And they're like, hey, we're going to go for a walk. And we're waiting for, you know, Chris, for a Thanksgiving dinner to start and everything. So I'm like, you know what? I could use a walk. And I, I, my brother, my brother has a dog who is a great dog. And he, he just, he needed Morris needed to walk too. So I'm like, all right, I'll take Morris. And they've got their dog who's a blue healer. And we're going to go for a walk. And we're going to go walk down by the river. And in my mind, this is going to be a walk on sidewalks that walks down to the river we literally look at it we go hey there's a river we turn around we come back this is not the walk that we went on we walked there are no sidewalks in this area because it's very much suburban so it's you know it's car focused you know you're out you know everybody's got like giant trucks with four by four uh the pacific northwest and her family is very outdoorsy Mm -hmm. uh again doesn't really mesh with my preferred uh city life and we get down to the path itself was was kind of paved. And then we get to the end of the path and there's a road. And directly across the road is the Spokane Rifle Club. 
with lots of signs that say do not enter trespass oh no you know and you don't oh, want to try no. you don't want like i i feel like trespassing is you know more often than not it's one of those like is it a crime crime like okay i walked through somebody's yard yeah technically trespassing but not a big deal i am not going to trespass on a rifle club no because they are uniquely qualified to take me out if they decide to so we walk around the rifle club and we're about another quarter mile around and all of a sudden the brother and the sister and brother-in-law my 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 sister-in-law's sister and her brother-in-law decide that we're going to go off-roading so we are on a steep cliff that cuts down directly to the river and now adam realizes that he has made a horrible mistake but cannot back out because one, I've watched way too much Back to the Future and I don't want to be called chicken. And two, I don't know how to get home. <laughs> I've just been following these people who are very outdoorsy and I have no idea how to get back. What was your first mistake? Following people and not retracing your, being able to retrace your steps because they could have taken you anywhere. Well, yeah, no, and I didn't, I didn't start my app you, either. Dude, you are on a murder podcast. You I know stories you it, it, this would have been this was ripe like they were very nice people uh the the gentleman had actually hunted and and caught us a goose that we cooked for we had turkey and goose i'd never had goose before but he had caught the goose uh caught it with a bullet i mean he hunted the goose <laughs> right i am so city i don't even know how to talk about hunting he caught he the goose. Shot it. He shot it. He shot, shot the goose. That, yeah. Okay. In yeah, my yeah. brain, though, he's just like chasing the goose around the, the field. <laughs> he just throws the gun and hits the goose. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm gonna catch you, goose. Uh, so, but it was gorgeous. <laughs> we went down the hill. There were several times where I was convinced that I would not make it up. Uh, but Morris, my brother's dog, basically pulled me back up the hill a couple times because uh, he was like, "I got to go back and get some food." Uh, but it was gorgeous. It was a great walk. I'm very glad we did it because I would never have seen the, th the things that I saw if not for following these people who are much better, you know, adventurers into nature. Uh, and their blue healer was hilarious because blue healers are herding dogs. Mm -hmm. So there are three people and two dogs. No, I have a red healer. Oh, you have a red healer? Yeah, Benny is a red healer. Oh, I didn't realize. He's yeah. small, smaller, though. Well, because he's mixed with Jack Russell, but yeah, he's oh, okay. a hurting instinct as well, which they're really yeah, he, curious. So we, if we got too far apart, mm -hmm. the dog would stand in the middle and just bark. <laughs> She's like, hey, everybody, you got to accordion up. Bring, bring the accordion together. We're, we're too spread out. And it was never on a leash, but never like more than five feet away from either of its owners. Just super good dog. Uh, a lot of fun. And then the whole weekend was great. It was the first time that I had been able to be with that many people of my family ever uh, because the kids were able to come and my brother and his and his wife were there. And my parents were both there and a bunch of her family was there. So we had 11 people in a house. It was great. The food was amazing. Uh, I could not uh, imagine not being able to do it. Uh, so it was, I'm very glad. And it only the only downside is that on Wednesday, when we're normally recording the podcast, I was I was getting uh, going through extra security at the Minneapolis St. Paul Airport because evidently I don't fly enough to understand how to do things. Because the last three times I've flied, I've flown, flied, 
last two times I've flown, <laughs> last three times I have flown in an airplane, uh, I've gotten pulled for extra security because I forget something. Uh, there was one lady at the Minneapolis St. Paul airport who was very concerned because I went into the thing where you put your arms above your head mm-hmm. and it was like, do you have anything in your pockets? I'm like, I don't think so. I took everything out. Like I had like three bins of stuff, but I had a handkerchief in my back pocket. Oh boy. And the lady was like, nope, you lied. You got a handkerchief in your back pocket. You got something in your back pocket. I'm like, it's a handkerchief. I was going to blow my nose. I didn't want to, you know, use a bunch of Kleenexes because that destroys the environment. I could just wash this. She's like, nope, you got to go over there and get patted down. I, like, oh I got patted gosh. down for a handkerchief twice. You know what's so funny is like, they're so strict on some things, but then I just read a story about a guy who traveled with a cat in his luggage that went through TSA security and screening and the x-ray. And did the they, cat live yes okay because i saw that headline and i was like i don't want to read this story because no, i'm afraid lived. this cat is dead no the cat lived but it went through the x-ray machine and nobody caught it it wasn't until another security agent saw fur sticking out of the top of the suitcase that he was like hey this doesn't seem right so that's why i'm saying they get real picky and choosy about certain things yeah, I, well, I mean, the nice part is I got a lot of human contact, uh, both on the way there and the way back. So uh, I've, I've probably hit my uh, my limit for November of physical contact. So that's great. It was just with two random people at TSA. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. How was, how, how was your thing, sir? I have monopolized uh, the, um, the, the first few minutes here with my, my trip, which... We should have an entire like offshoot podcast of Adam attempts to travel. <laughs> uh, no, it was actually really good. My daughter and I, we went over to her boyfriend's family's house. Um, and then we went that night and saw uh, Black Panther, Wakanda. Was it that night? Nice. That night? No, no, it wasn't. That would have been weeks ago. What did we see that night? Um, glass Onion? No, saw Glass Onion just the other day. Because Black Panther came out 11-11. I'm trying to remember. What? Um, I don't remember what we did. No, no, we didn't go to the movies. Did we go to the movies? I don't know. It's all a blur to me right now. But yeah, I went over there and had a really good time. Um, and then uh, I binged a couple of things over the weekend. Uh, like dead to me on netflix is back it's the third and final season and Mm. christina applegate nobody really knew about her ms diagnosis until after um you know they were on the press tour for dead to me and she you know told everybody uh that she had been diagnosed with ms and she you know she had it while filming the last season and of course knowing that while watching it you can you can tell you can see it um you know um and i can't imagine how unbearable that must have been for her some days. Uh, but the, the show is great. If you've ever watched Dead to Me, absolutely need to watch the third and final season. Um, I finished Atlanta. I did a lot of binging. Like I said, I finished Atlanta this week. I mean, but ho- ho- like holiday weekends are perfect for that, especially mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Because mm-hmm. you're like, trip to fan kicks in, you're sitting on the couch. Like I, I only had two days with leftovers, but I made the most of it. I ate as, <laughs> I was having leftovers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, it was it was great. And then of course, with you know, it's after Thanksgiving, so the holiday movies start. Watched several holiday movies. 
Um, are they cheesy? Yes. Do I love them? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, like the cheesier, the better. Cause I'm like watching it. I'm like, this is so bad. And then I'm so wrapped up in it that I'm like, do they fall in love at the end? Of course they're going to fall in love in the end. That's how every holiday movie ends. But you know, um, ended up watching one with a brand new one with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> which is like well she's she's in a holiday movie now yeah, is this a, a lifetime movie? movie no it's on netflix it's oh like, i mean netflix is just trying to like netflix is just trying to, the the lifetime thing as well they're like oh, oh yeah. we'll, we'll just this this seems to be working for him so we'll do it too yeah it's so it's so it's so bad it's good um melissa joan hart is in one and it's, oh, she's in so, so many like i know i know i, I feel know. like what, what was the what was the blonde lady from like the previous generation who was the mom on growing pains uh oh, judith was um, lively Ju- judith, judith judith uh judith light light and that who was like who's the boss who's the boss My bad. but she was like Growing all Pains over was like lifetime. joanna kearns or something like that yeah but yeah judith light was always all over lifetime yeah and now now it's like you know melissa joe and Hart. like it's the new generation so that's what i did and it was excellent and i didn't have to work and i got to sleep in and oh, it felt great so, so what was your do you have a favorite of the holiday movies that is new to you that you watched because um, i'm i'm my goal for this year is i am normally just bah humbug grumpy gus all all year long i mean i totally identify with the grinch in that i too live in a small space up in the air with my dog mm-hmm. <laughs> but i'm trying mostly for my mom this year to have a little bit more of a christmas spirit so is there one that you would recommend that you just saw that i should watch is the melissa joan hart one should i watch the Lindsay lohan one that feels weird um i would say of the three that i watched probably the Lindsay lohan one because it was the least like sappy serious like okay. it had a lot of comedy in it whereas like, I like comedy yeah that's what I'm saying. Whereas like the um, one that I watched with Justin Hartley from This Is Us was a little bit more serious. I had um, Vic from Station 18. It wasn't supposed to be like comedy comedy. Whereas like, I think the Lindsay Lohan one is more comedy based. And yeah, then- they knew what they were doing. They're, they're kind of like playing with it. Yeah. And the one with Melissa Joan Hart seems to be a little bit m- more on the like, it's not serious, but more on the serious side where it like, the Lindsay Lohan one is like just comedy. Like, I mean, you know, it's more, yeah. So I'd say yeah. that. And Justin Hartley is also known as the husband of the lady from Selling Beverly Hills, right? Selling uh, Sunset. He's known as, he is no, no, no. <laughs> you will not do that to Justin Hartley. He's known as Kevin from This Is Us. He will always be Kevin from This Is Us. He's nobody's husband. <laughs> I just think it's fair because how, how often does somebody just get you know, do women get described as some you know somebody's wife? I know. Well, and I don't even think they're married anymore. They were like, no, they they split up in season two of Selling Sunset. So oh, because they were together for like four years, yeah, and like they were married for like eight months and then got divorced. Yeah. Well, as soon as she started getting her own press, then he couldn't handle it. So. I don't think that's even it. You hush your face. You hush your face. But anyway, all right. So this is episode 118. And of course, it's an even number. So that means you get to start, Adam. 
which is awesome because uh, I also got to binge some stuff this weekend. Uh, and Brooke, you know that my favorite thing about my apartment is that I have three TVs and I can watch three things at once. But I found the only other place where I can watch more things at once. Okay. And that is the airplane. Mm-hmm. So on the airplane, everybody, like we were on one of those really nice planes. And this is, again, Adam doesn't travel much. So this is probably on a lot of planes. But the two planes that I flew to Wichita did not have the TVs in the seat. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, you know, we're only going to be there for like an hour. Here's a, here's some pretzels. And we'll, we'll go with that. But the flight to Spokane, which was almost three hours, every seat had their own TV, which meant that I could nice. watch what was on my TV. And then my two kids are to my right because I had to be on the aisle. I didn't get a window seat. I would have loved a window seat, but you know, I, somebody else wanted it, so I didn't find it. I could see their screens. And then I could also see all of these other screens in front of me. So I can watch the show that I'm watching, but then kind of check in on all these other shows. And the best part was I wouldn't see, because I you know was booting up the show I was watching. So I didn't always see when they started the movie so now i'm seeing like clips little bits and seeing like and i'm trying to put it together like what movie are they watching and like it was this like jeopardy experience of watching other other shows but also like not really know what i was watching there was a guy in front of me on the first flight who who watched bad boys without closed captioning on the original and i did not realize how much of that movie I remember word for word and I could watch the movie without subtitles. I know exactly what they're saying. That was a lot of fun. I had not seen, I mean, Tia Leone in that movie is amazing. It was also like very early on in like the Will Smith becomes an action hero thing. Like, is this going to work? So much fun, just super over the top. The scene where you've got the, uh, the sergeant, their boss, who's, smoking a cigar and playing basketball Mm -hmm. while they're trying to convince him to go after the bad guys is so absurd and like because he's not good at basketball Mm -hmm. he's missing every shot and it and then you'd think like will smith plays a basketball player on fresh prince of ballet like at some point you're like he's gonna grab the ball and shoot it and he just never does he he does at the end but it was like very strange but so much fun and i watched mission impossible which was great uh, fallout like the fourth or fifth one i can't even keep track but it was great because i could watch all these other things and it made me think okay wow i want to figure out what they all are and on the second flight home i was like okay i did not realize how many parallels there were between days of thunder from 1993 mm-hmm. and ricky bobby the you know, talladega knights in fact the uh gentleman who is ricky bobby's best friend is also in days of thunder which i had completely completely forgotten about so i was convinced that i was going to do an entire a side uh john c Riley has a as a bit part in days of thunder and of course he's the sidekick in uh sidekick and also at points the villain in talladega nights i was convinced i'm going to do this whole thing on similarities and contrast between days of thunder and talladega nights Mm -hmm. and then i got back saturday night had to do a mission impossible thing to get my keys back and i was very excited got to my 
apartment. The dog's happy that I'm back, but also still sort of annoyed. And I sat down and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stream something. And I've had this list that we've talked about of shows that I want to binge. And I picked Paramount Plus and started mm-hmm. binging Tulsa King. Well, with Sylvester Stallone. With Sylvester Stallone, right? Okay. Yes, uh, Tyler Sheridan, who is like, he's the hotness right now because of uh, uh, Yellowstone, and he's got oh, a couple other yeah. shows. Like he's yeah. like he, yeah. he's the, the the hot creator right now, where they're like just throwing money at him. And oh my goodness, Tulsa King might be the best thing i've watched this season no way it is so so good and and granted this is also you know audience bias because i am a middle-aged white male who's you know at this precipice of my kids are getting older trying to figure out what i'm gonna do with my life and here is you know a hero of my youth kind of going through the same thing tells a story of you know Stallone's character, Dwight Manfredi. Yeah, isn't he like a mobster? A little different. A little different. A little different. But I mean, I think deep down we all think we're kind of mobsters. You know. <laughs> Do we? Do we? I mean, I think I think every dude kind of thinks himself like as a mobster. We why okay. do mob movies like get so popular? Because there's 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 a little bit of like you know anti-hero worship. Probably, but Dwight Manfredi is this guy who's been in jail for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Never rolled on anybody. He he went down for a crime. He he, he didn't commit, but he, or he did commit, but he was told to commit. Never like never rolled on anybody above him. Gets out of jail, thinks, hey, I'm going back to my life. You know, like he's lost his family. He's got a you know an ex wife and a daughter he hasn't seen in 18 years, and he goes back to the mob. And they're like, hey, uh, we're glad you're back, but like you can't be around, so we're sending you to Tulsa, basically like forced retirement. Oh, wow. thinking he's not gonna like do anything and then he goes and, and he starts to make life in Tulsa Oklahoma and it is like Stallone has always been an underrated actor mm-hmm. but this might be his best work like th- there is there are layers there is depth there is like he simultaneously makes you believe that he could be a 75 year old dude who's also terrifying wow but very vulnerable. And the cast is amazing. You've you think got, his acting in this is better than in Creed? Because I gotta give it to you. I thought he was pretty darn good in Creed. I mean, he was good in Creed, but he was, he was, this is, this gives him, this is the first time in a long time that I think he's been given a lot to do. Like I, I'm probably one of the few people on earth that really enjoyed the movie Get Carter, where he is this, this guy who comes back, his brother, his brother has died and he's trying to take care of his niece. And like that, there's a lot of layers to that movie as well, but it was, it was a remake of a Michael Caine film. And like, it just didn't pop off like it should have, but I thought that was a very good performance, but that was 20 years ago. So in my opinion, it's his best acting work in years. You feel like it's going to be this very like traditional mob movie, but there, there's so much more about, you know, somebody who's just been in jail for 25 years and and reevaluating their life and, and starting to like trying to restart. And if you imagine like how much society has changed over 25 years, I mean, when he went in, iPhones weren't a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, like even something small like that, uh, it's incredibly well done. And I binge the entire first three episodes. It comes out every Sunday. I am super excited for the next episode. 
Uh, episode three has an amazing car chase that is worthy of like the, the filming of it is so well done that you feel like you're watching a movie. Uh, and because I binge things, because binge is, is sort of my personality trait in good ways and bad ways. I watched the entire thing, but then I also realized that after months of not doing any that guy from that show, I'm going to do another one right after the last time I did another one uh, <laughs> because of a guy like last time, like our last episode, we had two. So that, that was very bingy. And now I'm just continuing that because all of a sudden in episode two, uh, a gentleman pops up and might even have been episode one, like very end of episode one, a gentleman pops up who I immediately go, oh my goodness. I haven't seen this guy in years. And he was one of my favorite, like sort of character actors, sidekicks of the 90s. And I didn't have any idea about his personal story. So in episode one, uh, a character pops up who knows Dwight Manfredi, which is uh, Sylvester Stallone's character from before, and is convinced that Manfredi is there to kill him and starts getting worried. But immediately I recognize him and I go, okay, this dude's older. He's now got a mustache and he's wearing, you know, a cowboy hat. But this is Vinny Del Perro from... (laughs) Is it Del Pino or Del Pino? Del Pino, Del Pino. You're right, Del Pino. And why Vinnie I know Del that, I don't know. Vinny Del Pino from Doogie Hauser, and also one of my favorite characters, Racetrack Higgins from Newsies from 1992, Max Casella. And one of those guys that you know you thought was a child actor in the early 90s was in a ton of stuff. Uh, now he has kind of relaunched his career as he's gotten older, as a lot of you know, sort of a you know Italian American stereotypes. You know, he was on The Sopranos. Now he's he's in another mom, mom movie here. He was in The Tender Bar, which was the Ben Affleck movie from last year, which was uh, highly respected. Uh, he's been all over the place, but I never realized that with his long history of acting, the show that I know him first for, Newsies, and the second one being Doogie Hauser, which were both 92 and 1993, or Doogie Hauser started in 89, ended in 93. At that time, when he's in Newsies, he was 27. Yeah. I had no idea. He suffers from a, uh, a deficiency, a hormone deficiency. And so he was not aging uh, in connection with his age. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and that is not something that he's really talked about until the last few months when he uh, with the press tour for uh, Tulsa King he is kind of admitted that he went through when he was 27 he finally went through puberty which is insane I mean I'm, I'm still hoping for a growth spurt at 41 but I can't imagine how frustrating it would have been to be a 27 year old man and still look like you're a teenager i mean most of the other kids in newsies were you know some of them 10 years younger than him and he looks like one of the littlest guys in the cast uh so he's been very open about that there's a couple articles that'll be available on our website uh that talk about him uh talking about his challenges and how it was 
a mess trying to go through puberty at age 27. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, it was hard enough for most people in their early teens. I can't imagine being an adult and going through it again. Uh, but how he has had built this entire career and both TV and movies. I mean, not as many movies as TV, but he was in Newsies, Ed Wood, which is an entirely underrated uh, film from 1994, starring Johnny Depp. Uh, mm -hmm. Then he went on to work with another incredible uh, actor in Steve Martin, Sergeant Bilko, in a movie that is not good at all. Uh, he was in Analyze <laughs> This. <laughs> he was uh, in uh, Inside the Wall of Davis, which has kind of become this, this movie where all of these actors were in that have now become stars like Oscar Isaacs and, uh, and another, um, I believe, uh, Ethan Hawke was in that one as well. Uh, but popping up on TV as well with, you know, Sopranos, where he became a, a big hit. He talks glowingly about... Uh, uh, Gandolfini, James Gandolfini, as somebody who was incredible to work with, but also fought for everybody on the cast to get a raise when he got a raise, uh, which is, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. And that's a, that's a good way for people to endear yourself to people when they're like, hey, you're going to give me a raise, but you got to give everybody else a raise too. Uh, granted, he's not going to get, you know, this, probably the same level. Uh, right. He was still. also in, but still, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to do. He was in, Hawaii Five-0, Boardwalk Empire, Ray Donovan, The Blacklist. So he's kind of settled into that, you know, middle-aged Goomba cop, you know, supporting character role, which as we talked about in the last, uh, that guy from that show is, is something that I'm very much focused on right now because I think that's my best, uh, best career plan because I don't think I'm going to be able to play the Prince Dauntless, uh, you know, characters anymore, the leading man, but I can always be the guy who looks like he's a, you know, criminal or a underboss in the mob or like a guy who's working on a truck. <laughs> uh, he also had a whole career. Uh, he was Daxter in the video games, Jack and Daxter, which I had no idea about at all. That was in the early 2000s, but he's talked a lot about his work on Tulsa King where when he grew up, when he was a kid at 10 years old, he had a poster of Stallone from Rocky on his wall. Oh, wow. And so now he gets to work with Stallone. And he's worked with a lot of big names like Johnny Depp, you know, uh, Scorsese. He's worked with De Niro. He's worked with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like worked with a lot of people, a lot of big names. And he said, the we was, and maybe this is, you know, because right now the press tour is happening. And so things get said that you're you're trying to make uh, get attention but he said he was most nervous when he met Stallone but Stallone was also the quickest one that he felt comfortable with oh wow because Stallone he said he's just a blue collar guy he respects work and if you work hard like that's all he wants to do and he doesn't put on airs and it, all of a sudden they were just like you know two people on the job which i thought is pretty cool cuz i Stallone has always been this real there's so much more to him than I think people realize. Cause when I was a kid, I saw Stallone in like demolition man. And uh, you know, the, after the Rocky movies, he was, you know, he was an action hero, but it was always, you know, one liners and he didn't seem like the smartest, you know, guy in the room. And then I grow up and I figure out, I find out that he wrote the script of Rocky and yeah. he fought, and fought like they, fought people offered him, yeah, and, people and, offered and then, him money to let him, let them dog. do it without him. Yeah. I mean, he's dog. got a great story. 
Yeah. He's got an amazing story and he seems like a really interesting dude. And I am super excited uh, about the next episode of Tulsa King because episode three, it feels like Max's character and Sly's character are not going to be good friends because there was some stuff that happened in episode three and I'm trying not to spoil it because mm-hmm. it is a show that is out. Uh, but they're in the trailers for the next couple episodes. There are a couple of scenes which I am very excited to see. Uh, and I think it's going to, to, it's already been renewed for season two. Uh, it is way better than I expected. And I really have high hopes for how it would continue. And I'm super excited to, uh, to see it start or to see the next episode come out because I, I've, had just finished up Andor, which I thought was really, really good. And I loved the season finale. It was really good. But I was like, what am I going to, you know, like, I don't have a show that's starting because Jack Ryan doesn't start until December 21st. And Willow didn't start until today, which I'm, I'm waiting to watch Willow, of course. When we, when we record, I always have a show that I'm going to be my reward for, for getting things done for the day. Uh, but I am so glad I gave Tulsa King a chance because uh, it's got an amazing cast. Uh, it's not even just uh, not even just Stallone and Max Cassell. I mean, you got Dana Delaney's in there. Uh, you've got um, I'm doing a super great job of remembering names because that is something <laughs> that I am so so good at. Uh, you've got uh, Martin Starr, who always kind of plays like a druggy character. But now he like runs a dispensary, which is so perfect. But he's so good. Garrett Hedlund is in it as well. Uh, Annabella Soria, who I've uh, who I have not Ciora. seen yet. Ciora, I have not seen an episode yet. Is coming as well. Uh, so I'm very excited. I think it's going to be. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, the a gentleman who doesn't even have a lot of background. Jay Will as Tyson, uh, who becomes uh, Stallone's driver, first he's a cabbie and then he becomes his driver. Their relationship is really interesting. There's, there's, there's some father-son dynamic, there's mentor-mentee, there's like Stallone, you know, like Manfredi cares about the kid. He doesn't want to put him in danger, doesn't want him in this life, but also like it was his first friend in Tulsa and they do such a good job of building layers to all of the relationships and i am very excited to see where they go so check out tulsa king uh max casella is this this week's that guy from that thing uh you can find out more about him and especially his uh journey with dealing with uh, a hormone deficiency on some articles on our website and tulsa king new episodes come out every sunday on paramount plus and Paramount Plus is also a sneaky good streaming I'm service. Just send over those credentials. How about that? Yeah, they're they're they're, they're sneaky good. Like there's, you, you're not I mean, one you. Me. What, what what oh you log in. The, oh the login <laughs> oh yeah sure I'll send it. I mean I don't I don't think your Paramount Plus is is listing, uh, but if they are you know charge me a little extra but uh, it's. It's it's sneaky good, especially if you are a Star Trek fan, uh, because or you know any of this the the CBS stuff, NCIS and all that. Uh, it's a sneaky good streaming service, and I've been very impressed. It's the first of their original content that I've really watched, and it is it is quality stuff. So check it out, Tulsa King every Sunday day. All right, 
Well, there we go. Was that uh, the A side? That is the A side. Well, this week, Adam, we are going to head on over to uh, Texas, the big state. What's the nickname for Texas? The Lone Star State. Lone Star State. That's right. We're going to head on over to the Lone Star State. And well, of course, because, you know, the B side is, well, the true crime side, we have a whole lot of, whole lot of crime, whole lot of crime. This week, we're going to be talking about the broomstick killer, whose name is Kenneth McDuff. So Kenneth was born in central Texas in the town of Rosebud. He had three siblings, and he was born to John Allen, aka J.A., and Addie McDuff. His dad ran a very successful concrete business. Um, There was a construction boom in Texas during the 60s, and his dad was a part of that. Mm -hmm. That helped the business. And, well, his mom... (laughs) <laughs> Addie. I feel like when you have the name Addie, you probably already have an attitude as it is. And Addie had quite the attitude. She was nicknamed the Pistol Packing Mama because... Wait, wait, wait a second. Was that, was that aimed at me? No. Why I mean, that? Adam. Addie and Adam, two different people, and you're not a girl. Not at this time. <laughs> so Addie had the nickname of Pistol Packin' Mama. Do you have the nickname Pistol Packin' Mama? I kind of wish I did, but I do not at this time. Okay, all right. So Addie was the Pistol Packin' Mama because she had actually threatened the school bus driver with a gun after the driver had kicked one of Kenneth's older brothers, Lonnie, off the school bus. Not like physically kicked him, just put him off the bus. Yeah, but I mean, you don't don't mess with an angry mama. um, Yeah, but... I, I have been an angry mama before, but I've never threatened anybody with a gun. I'm not, You're not from Texas. I'm not. I'm not. You're right. I am not from Texas. So Kenneth goes to Rosebud High School, and while he's there, he gets the reputation of bully. Not surprising with the pistol back and mama as your mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he did what bullies do, picks on the weaker individuals. After he lost a fight to somebody who was a little bit larger than him, he had picked on a a boy named Tommy Sammons, who was popular and athletic, and and Tommy showed him what was what. So after that, he quit school, and he goes to work for his dad doing manual labor for his dad's concrete business. He would would later in life brag about how older women loved the way he mowed their lawns. Is this a metaphor or? I don't, uh, I don't know. Anyway, while he's working for his dad, he gets into a bit of legal trouble. And in 1964, this is when it starts. He's 18 years old. He's convicted of 12 counts of burglary and attempted burglary in three different counties in Texas, in Bell, Millam, and Falls. He's sentenced to 12 four-year prison terms to be conserved to be served consecutively he makes parole a year later in 1965 so it should have been 48 years uh-huh and he served but he got one mm-hmm. i mean i'm not great at math but that's that's not good uh i think there was uh some screw-ups there somewhere along the way he ends up back in prison um because he's involved in a fight and then he's released yet again. So this is where things start to change for him. In 1966, he gets teamed up with Roy Dale Green 
and they they start their um he, business ventures he he escalates if you will he he says you know burglary robbery whatever that's not enough for me anymore i'm going to the big time so on august 6th of 1966 roy dale uh, green and kenneth mcduff they were pouring concrete together for kenneth's dad during the day and then later that evening they decided to drive around town and they're looking for a girl about 10 p.m they spot robert brand who's 17 his girlfriend edna louise sullivan 16 and robert's 15 year old cousin mark dunham they're all outside of a parked car at a baseball field in everman texas so they're cruising around they spot these three and well, actually they notice Edna because they were cruising around looking for a girl and they spot Edna and, and they park the car about a hundred yards away. They walk up to the trio and they threaten them with the 38 revolver and order them to get into the trunk of their car, of the car that they're standing next to. Mm-hmm. So Roy Dale Green gets back into Kenneth McDuff's car. Kenneth is driving the victim's car, it's a Ford. They drive it along the highway. They find an abandoned field where he tell, when they get to the field, they pull over. They order Edna out of the trunk of the car, but they tell the two other guys to um, stay in that vehicle that they were already in the trunk of. And they put Edna in the trunk of Kenneth's Dodge Coronet. So then Kenneth says to Roy Dale, we got to knock him off. And he fires six shots into the trunk of the Ford. Mind you, these two young men, 15 and 17, are pleading for their lives as they're firing shots into the back of the trunk. Then Kenneth tells Roy Dale, wipe the fingerprints off the back of the truck. They leave that field that they were in and they take Edna to a different location where they end up forcefully having relations with Edna. After they have raped her, both of them have raped her repeatedly. Kenneth McDuff asks Roy Green, hey, I need something to strangle her with. So Roy gives him a belt, but that's not what, that's not good enough, I guess, for Kenneth. He ends up finding a piece of broomstick in his car and he uses that to choke and murder Edna Sullivan. So then after her, her, after her murder, after her death, they take her and they they dump her body in some bushes. They go to a gas station and they buy some Coca-Cola and then they drive back to Roy, Roy Green's house and spend the night. The next day, uh, Kenneth buries the 38 revolver next to Roy's garage and they have a mutual acquaintance. His name is Richard Boyd and Richard allows Kenneth to use his house to wash his car. I guess no questions asked. I'm not sure. The next day, Roy hears about the murders on the radio and he begins to feel guilty. So then he confesses to Richard, their mutual acquaintance. He confesses to Richard parent, Richard's parents. Richard's parents tell Roy's mom. Roy's mom convinces Roy to turn himself into the police. Kenneth ends up, based on the information provided by Roy, who had turned himself in, Kenneth is arrested uh, the following day by the Falls County Sheriff. His name is Brad Pamplin and uh, also the Deputy U.S. Marshal Thomas Parnell T.P. McNamara Sr. 
So Kenneth ends up getting a, you know, he goes to trial, he gets a life sentence, or he gets a death sentence. He's sentenced, it's Texas, they use the electric chair. He's sentenced to death in the electric chair. Whereas Roy Green, in exchange for his testimony, gets a 25 year sentence and he ends up released in 1979. Kenneth, his death sentence was actually commuted to a life sentence based on some changes in Texas law. So once this happens, he hires an attorney who amasses this huge dossier of evidence that claims that Roy was actually the killer. Right. Kenneth ends up before a parole board. Uh, he gets, he gets a, a one-on-one interview with a member of the parole board, and he tries to bribe this parole board member who ends up you know, telling the parole board and he still is somehow granted parole. Like he's given two, that, okay, let me backtrack. They add two years onto a sentence, but then he still ends up granted parole. So like, what was the point of, yeah. of adding the two years to a sentence? You still gave him parole. It was just like, oh, well, you know, we don't want yeah. you to do that, but. Yeah, don't pr- bribe people, but we're still going to let you out, even though you murdered somebody so brutally. Anyway, so the parole board, some members of the parole board thought, thought, oh, he can still contribute to society and they granted parole and he's released in 1989. I think part of that also was there was massive overcrowding populations in the prisons, but like, why would you not let people with lesser, less severe crimes go? I don't know. I'm not in the justice system. It just seems to make too much sense to me, right? Yeah. I don't know if they're, maybe they didn't have better options but this seems like a real bad option he's one of 20 death row inmates and 127 parole uh, murderers to be paroled so he gets paroled so after his release he gets a job at a gas station he's making like four dollars an hour he starts taking classes at texas state technical college in waco now within three days of his release it hasn't been proven but it is believed that he kills again when the of 31 year old Serafia Parker is discovered on October 14th of 1989 in Temple, which is 48 miles away from Waco, right off the I-35. He's not like, again, like I said, he's not charged with that murder, but they truly believe that it's connected to him, that he's the murderer. He does end up back in prison because of a parole violation for making death threats to a young African-American man in Rosebud, Texas. You remember Rosebud? Because that's where he was from. Mm-hmm. Rosebud. So, pistol Pack and Mama Addie pays $1,500 plus an additional $700 to two Huntsville attorneys in return for evaluating her son's prospect of release. On December 18th of 1990, guess what happens? He yep. gets released? He gets released again. On the night of October 10th of 1991, he picks up a sex worker named Brenda Thompson in Waco. He ties her up, but there's a police checkpoint on the road that he wasn't counting on. So he stops about 50 miles from the police, or 50 feet, excuse me, from the police checkpoint. So as a police officer walks toward his vehicle, she's repeatedly trying to kick the windshield out of the 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 vehicle she's like kicking it she even cracks it several times well obviously this becomes noticeable to the police officer so he accelerates real quick 
He drives at the officers. They even have to dive out of the way. Three of them um, mm. in the court say they had to dive out of the way to avoid being hit. They, of course, chase after him, but he turns his lights off. He's traveling down wrong way, the wrong way down one way streets. So he eventually, they, they lose him. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, sex worker Brenda Thompson loses her life as a result. Her body was not discovered for several years, not until 1998. Five days later, on October 15th of 1991, Kenneth and a 17-year-old sex worker named Regina Deanne uh, Moore, aka Gina, uh, were seen having an argument outside of a Waco motel. Well, shortly after the argument, uh, the two are in Kenneth's pickup truck. They drive to a remote area beside Texas State Highway. Uh, they drive to a remote area beside the Texas State Highway near Waco. He ties up her arms and her legs, just as he had done with Brenda. And unfortunately, he kills her as well. She had been missing from her home for seven years by the time her body was discovered on September 29th of 1998. Again, it's taking so many years for her body to be discovered. We'll find out why here in a second. Kenneth is also believed to have murdered Cynthia Renee Gonzalez, who was 23 years old at the time. She was found dead in the creek bed near County Road 313 in a very heavily wooded area uh, a mile west of the I-35 on September 21st of 1991. This was six days after she was reported missing from Arlington, Texas. So he teams up with a partner again. He has an accomplice, Alva Hank Worley. And uh, Kenneth and Alva, they find uh, Colleen Reed, who actually was a Louisiana native on December 29th of 1991. Kenneth and uh, Alva drive to Austin to a car wash where Colleen is. She's there washing her car and they kidnap her in plain sight. Like witnesses see what's happening. They call the police. Unfortunately, the police arrive too late. They've already gone and they can't find them. Good grief. Yeah. So Alva Hank Worley, uh, in an interview in April of 1992 with the Bell County Sheriff's Department, admits that he and McDuff raped and tortured Colleen Reed. They tortured her with cigarettes. But he says he had nothing to do with the murder. He testified that he and Kenneth uh, would actually drive around looking for drugs and Kenneth would point out women that he wanted to take. And that day it happened to be Colleen Reed. After Colleen Reed, uh, Kenneth's next victim was Valencia Joshua, a sex worker who was last seen uh, knocking on Kenneth's door. He unfortunately strangles uh, Valencia on February 24th, 1982. Her body discover is discovered about a month later on March 15th at a golf course near their college that they went to. Remember, when he got out of prison, he enrolled in college. Um, next was Melissa Northrup, who was a 22-year-old store clerk at the Waco Quick Pack. This was a store that Kenneth had actually worked, on, uh, worked at at one point. She was the senior manager's wife, and Kenneth had developed this weird, like, obsession with her. He'd even said, like, out loud on multiple occasions that he wanted to, quote, rob the store and take her. She's, uh, she's pregnant when she goes missing. And when she doesn't come home from her shift, her husband gets extremely concerned. He contacts police. 
reports her missing. Again, obviously he knows who did it because he's, he's got to tell police, look, this man's obsessed with my wife. He's talking about robbing the store and taking her. Well, yeah. further adding to this is the kidnapper, quote unquote, took $250 from the register along with um, Melissa. Of course, he's a suspect because he was seen in the vicinity and because of what he during the investigation before her body was found, a college friend of Kenneth's told police that Kenneth had actually asked him for help to rob the store. Yeah. So she goes missing um, on, and, and is killed on March 1st of 1982 and a fisherman finds her body on April 26th. Oh, wow. Of course, the investigation is ongoing, but there's a big problem for investigators, and it's that uh, all of his victims were kind of spread out around several counties, so it made, like, a single investigation really hard. Right. This is where, like, task force come to play. So police learned that Kenneth is actually selling drugs and had an illegal firearm, which are both federal offenses. So on March 6th of 1992, a local state attorney issues a warrant for his arrest. In April of 1992, Bell County investigators bring in Alva Worley for questioning on the basis that he was an acquaintance of Kenneth McDuff. Alva Worley admits to his involvement in the, in the kidnapping of Colleen Reed. So he's held in the Travis County Jail while police continue looking for Kenneth McDuff. So Kenneth had actually fled Texas at this point and he's moved to Kansas City, Missouri, where he gets a new car and a fake ID, and he starts working at a refuse refuse collection company, a garbage company, and he's living under the name Richard Fowler. Okay. May 1st of 1992, a coworker is watching TV. His coworker's name is Gary Smithy. He's watching Fox. Remember the program, America's Haunted. Mm -hmm. That was like yep. what we watched for us on Friday nights. He's and they actually caught a lot of people. Oh, I mean, yeah. For what it's worth. Oh, like, yeah. Were... Oh, yeah. So they're watching America's Most Wanted, and Gary Smithy is like, mm, this new guy at work looks a lot like this McDuff guy who's on this program. So he talks to another coworker about it, and, you know, they're like, maybe we should call the police. So he does. He calls the Kansas City Police Department. They search um, Richard Fowler's name and find that Richard Fowler had been arrested and fingerprinted for soliciting sex workers. So they compare the fingerprints for Richard Fowler to those of Kenneth, Kenneth McDuff, and they find that they are the exact same. So on May 4th of 1992, a surveillance team of six officers arrest Kenneth McDuff as he's driving to, he's on the job, he's driving to a landfill in the south of Kansas City. The arresting officers are U.S. Marshal Thomas Parnell McNamara Jr., his brother, U.S. Marshal Mike McNamara, Sheriff Larry Lamp. Lamplin, whose father had actually arrested Kenneth McDuff in 1966. <laughs> Kenneth McDuff becomes America's most wanted, uh, wanted's 208th successful capture. That's a lot. A lot. So Kenneth McDuff is indicted on one count of capital murder for the murder of Melissa Northrup in McLennan County, uh, Texas on June 26 of 1992 during the trial where he actually tried to represent himself he's extremely rude and disruptive he's found that's never a good idea like why yeah. do people do that why do people do that he's found guilty 
Uh, in Texas, juries get to determine whether or not an individual that's convicted of capital murder receives life or the death penalty. So he's convicted of death. On February 18th of 1993, the jury says, yep, death. He then tried for the death of Colleen Reed, even though her body hasn't been found yet. It's based on the strong circumstantial evidence and the eyewitness accounts. He's sentenced to death in her trial. So after his arrest in Texas, they actually overhaul their laws to make sure that people like Kenneth aren't able to get out on parole. They also improve the monitoring upon release system. The new laws that they put in place become known as the McDuff laws. I mean, maybe like don't parole a guy after you just added two years to a sentence. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's that, a good first yeah, start. Probably a good start. So there's a bunch of delays, there's appeals and all this stuff. And finally, finally, an execution date is scheduled for Kenneth McDuff. He is uh, put to death on November 18th of 1990, uh, 1998 by lethal injection. He's buried in the Captain Joe Bird Cemetery, which is also known as Packerwood Hill in Huntsville, Texas. Prisoners that are buried there are those whose families choose not to claim their remains. His headstone contains only his date of execution and an X, meaning that he was executed by the state of Texas. His death row number, 999055, and his death row number. His last meal, according to death row chef Brian Price, was a hamburger that was made to look like a steak. And there you go. There you have the horrific crimes of the broomstick killer, Kenneth McDuff, and the justice that was served. It is, I don't know, maybe, maybe laws have changed, but it is always amazing to me how many times in our stories on the B-side, somebody will have been caught at a young age and paroled. Yeah, and then they get out and then they commit all these horrific crimes that so, totally could have been stopped had they been kept in jail and had the system work like it was supposed to. And I mean, I'm sure there's some confirmation bias that we always look at the people who recommit crimes, whereas mm -hmm. we, we don't focus on all the people who are paroled and never, you know, commit crimes again. But right. oof, it feels like a miss, so often it feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. But there you go. That is the story of Kenneth McDuff. And that's the B-side. So one of my favorite parts of the year, uh, about the my favorite part of December, is that Spotify always puts out its wrapped, right? Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. you know everything you've done over the last year. They did a cool thing this year where they uh, did a festival. Did you see these? Where like yes, I did it. I did it. Yeah, and that that was really cool. Like if you if you were hosting a festival over the stuff that you've listened to, uh, who would be in that festival? That was really cool. But this is the first time that I have noticed or at least seen that they also Spotify also does a wrap for podcasts mm -hmm. and it has been really exciting to look through all of the different things and realize you know sometimes so often life you feel like you're screaming into a void and it's like anybody really listening and people actually are listening which feels really really great uh so I'm just gonna burn through a couple of her numbers and this is gonna be like a like a brag brag post so just deal with me. Uh, we created 2,551 minutes of new content this year. Mm. And that is just the edited content that we posted. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So Brooke had to probably edit about 5,000 minutes of content <laughs> to cut it down to be actually listenable. And that is 90, that is more than 97% of other creators within the true crime podcast category. Oh, wow. So that, that feels, feels pretty good. Uh, we also, uh, our number one episode of the year came out uh, last December 31st, actually. And it was episode 85, What Happened to Lauren Smithfields. That was our number one episode of the year. Uh, still a case that has not come to a conclusion, or at least a successful conclusion in most people's way. And definitely feels like it's fallen out of you know the social consciousness in a way because of how much has happened in the last you know 12 months. Uh, the cool part is uh, Spotify will let you know where your listeners are. And Brooke, this uh, definitely is a surprise to me, but I think we need to do a on location to Jamaica. What? I would love. Right? You, let's do it. I'm let's gonna- go to Jamaica. I mean, it, it definitely pops out. I don't know. I, I, I don't personally know anybody in Jamaica, which that makes it even better. Uh, also, United Kingdom, Norway, Canada. Uh, just real northern. Can we go to and, all of them, like, like yeah. go to Jamaica, the UK, Norway. Hey, coming to uh, here in Lincoln, like tomorrow night. There's the uh, brass band. It's an all female brass band from Norway called Tenting. So, like, Ooh. they're coming here. We could go there. Yeah, absolutely. I I just was super excited. I've never been to Jamaica, uh, so I would I would definitely like to go. Yeah. Uh, so. Speaking of globally, the podcast was in the top 25% that were most shared across the globe. What? Really? Yeah. No, I know. I've, these, are, these are all numbers that, that I have not told Brooke yet because this is, I'm very excited uh, about this. So 14% of our listeners actually follow the podcast, which does give me an opportunity to say, if you're listening you can always subscribe and follow by going to our website, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. You can go to the Spotify link and, and click that follow button. You'll never miss an episode. Uh, you go to any of the other streaming services, you can click that follow. Uh, would be great. Uh, it is awesome that we have 14%, but I'm kind of shocked that we don't have more people that are subscribed of our listeners. That means we get a lot of people that are listening and choosing each week to come and listen to us without getting a reminder. And that's amazing because if I don't get a reminder to do a lot of stuff, I don't do it. Like I have so many alarms set on my phone for those like regular stuff, like shower, brush teeth, because I'll forget. Uh, so I don't remember, how, I don't know how people remember to log in uh, to check out the newest podcast without a little reminder so make sure you like and follow so you'll get those re- reminders and this year spotify is doing a personality test and it says that our listeners their personality is the adventurer Ooh. they venture out into the unknown searching for fresh podcasts and gems yet to be found so thank you adventurers for joining us on this journey and making sure that we continue to do it. I will say that honestly, the, this wrapped, I mean, I love the one personally, but I I kind of expected that stuff. Uh, We have seen a lot of growth in the last year. This is one of those things that like makes you want to keep doing it. 
uh, our listenership grew by 146% wow. over the last year. Oh my gosh. Right? We had 22% more streams, 18% more followers, uh, 5% more hours listened. So it's growing and we thank you. And this is not like, th this does take work, especially because Brooke's got to edit all this and I talk like crazy. You folks don't even know about all the things that she has to cut out, uh, but it is incredibly that's so exciting thank you yeah it it, it 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 gives you know i don't know i don't want to i don't want to be like you know talent show part of the the beauty pageant but you're the wind beneath my wings right now people and i appreciate that <laughs> you know what i'm actually glad you did this because there are weeks where i'm like come on adam he's like oh, I don't know. and i'm like no you're doing it six o'clock yeah. we're recording let's go so yeah no it's it's very very good it's good to it's it's one of those things where it's good to know that, that people are listening and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it and I, I never regret doing it when I actually do it but you know it's like working out I always say like you dread going to the gym you kind of hate it while you're there sometimes because you feel like you could do better and by the end you feel awesome right and you're like I don't know why I ever thought about not doing this so uh, I actually feel that way about most tasks in life <laughs> 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 going back to showering and brushing my teeth and like doing menial tasks because you always you know like ah, i find a way not to do it but you always feel better when you do it so thank you folks for listening and for encouraging us to keep doing this it's been a lot of fun and uh if you want to find out more about our merch and all that stuff a side b side podcast that's where that site buy a brook of coffee uh but mostly thank you for listening and thank you spotify for doing this rap thing because this was a you know like a you know, like they got the new Genix commercials where you get like the boost, you know, like you feel like you feel like a new man. This makes me feel like a new man. So I feel pretty awesome. Awesome. Well, again, like Adam said, you can please like, subscribe, uh, all of our sources uh, and YouTube links are all listed on our website. Plus we have merch. Um, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cause this, we really do have fun. And I think sometimes we forget that like, like we know other people are listening but really we're kind of entertaining ourselves <laughs> yeah no that's that's how it all started it was it's covid we're like we got to do something but now i have a legit reason to go to jamaica <laughs> i'm ready like, i mean the worst the worst part is i'm just gonna be walking around jamaica and be like hey you like the, the inside bz podcast <laughs> right i'll be like have you heard they'll be like have sir this is a wendy's go away <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That's episode 118. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Brooke.